Good afternoon and welcome to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. This show is created with the intention of empowering others to help and love themselves. Aside from weekly skin tips, you will hear me spotlight extraordinary souls from around the world who are making a difference by helping people in their own way. Together, we can all make a difference, and it starts with love, love from the hip. Many hospice workers and medical professionals would concur that people can control their final moments to a certain degree, and that these well-timed deaths are anything but coincidental. So what is it that keeps people alive in their dying days or hours even? In 2008, Shimitsu and Pelham looked at death records for millions of people using the Social Security Death Index. This database contains more than 70 million records of people who died in the U.S. in the past 65 years. They wanted to figure out whether people were more apt to die before a major holiday, like Christmas or Thanksgiving, or an event like the person's birthday, compared to after the holiday or event. Researchers discovered that people were more likely to die after a major holiday, like that of Christmas or Thanksgiving versus before. New Year's Day and birthdays were an exception, however. Most people tended to die on these days, proving it to be more of a milestone the person wished to reach. Studies have also shown a high percentage of people who wait to see certain family members by their bedside before their passing, which is why you hear stories of people becoming suddenly conscious. Others may choose to die once they are alone, to save their loved ones the hardship of seeing them die, and so they wait until people leave the room. And there are also many who wait to fully let go and die when they know the people who need them the most will be in fact okay without them. At the beginning of the study, it was asked, if, in fact, people could will themselves to live a few more days, weeks, or months to reach one of these milestones, and could the mind overcome the body's physical limitations? The overall analysis concluded that the desire to live is the key to prolonging one's life, and that willpower and mindset can, in fact, overcome the body's physical limitations. Oftentimes, the loved one's fear of the person dying is greater than that of the person who is dying. Death will then become the elephant in the room, loved ones pretending it is not there when they know it is imminent. Many of us will resort to empathy to try to comfort and console our dying loved one's fear. Empathy can indeed bring you closer to someone and their experience, but psychologists warn that it can be also quite taxing. According to Richard Davidson, a professor of psychology and psychiatry at the University of Wisconsin at Madison, neuroscientific research on empathy shows that if you're empathizing with a person who is in pain, anxious, or depressed, your brain will show activation of very similar circuits as the brain of the person with whom you're empathizing. Empathy, whether it's cognitive, which means you think it, emotional when you feel it, or compassionate when you're moved by it, all three have been clinically proven to affect our own health and well-being in some way. A study published in the Journal of Health Psychology looked at the effects of parental empathy on 247 pairs of parents and adolescents. The study found that the adolescents of highly empathic parents had better psychological and physiological well-being. The empathic parents also had greater self-esteem with a deeper sense of purpose in their lives than those who reported lower levels of empathy. Those with higher empathy, however, were also most likely to experience chronic low-grade inflammation and a higher fight-or-flight response because of their constant focus on the well-being of others, which makes them more vulnerable and expends their own physiological resources. Many refer to this as empathy fatigue or even caretaker burnout. Or worse, empathic illness, in which one manifests symptoms that are not their own. Those that are prone to this are often called physical empaths, or people whose bodies are so porous they absorb the symptoms of others. Physical empaths have a more challenging time in crowds. They may refer to themselves as hypochondriacs or agoraphobics. They tend to have mysterious ailments which respond only partially to medications or therapies. Most often, a physical empath will subconsciously take on something that is not theirs because they feel they are stronger and more capable. It is important for a physical empath to learn how to create boundaries to keep themselves well, although this proves to be most difficult when dear loved ones are involved. It would seem that the will to live becomes shared by the person dying who needs to see that their loved one will be in fact okay 
and for the empath of the dying one to take on their illness to allow them to live. It becomes an arduous cycle, one in which it is unsure who is actually benefiting and who is prolonging life. Today on Love from the Hip, I am delighted to have Leah Rowling on my show. Leah is a mindset coach and author. She will share her own incredible story and what she took on for someone else, her art of selfology, the power of thought, and where miracles are created. Plus, later on the show, we will open up the phone line so she can assist you with what you may be struggling with. So stick around after this quick break. Microneedling is a revolutionary treatment that can help reduce the appearance of acne scars, fine lines, pigmentation, wrinkles, even improve the appearance of stretch marks by stimulating collagen and elastin. Sakura Skin and Mind specializes in this procedure that jumpstarts your body's natural healing process. Sakura Skin and Mind believes in not only keeping the skin up to date with the latest trends in the skincare industry, but also keeping the skin beautiful, fast, pretty, painless, and affordable. Find out more at sakuraskinandmind.com. S-A-K-U-R-A skinandmind.com. Alternative Talk 1150, here to uplift your day. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. Today, I have the pleasure of having Leah Rowling on my show. Leah is a mindset coach and author. Hey, Leah, thanks for joining us today. Hi there. So good to be here. (laughs) And where are you joining us from? I'm in Iowa, Des Moines, Iowa. Des Moines, Iowa. Is it hot there today? It is a beautiful almost fall day, 80 degrees. It's gorgeous. Nice. nice. (laughs) Well, let's jump right in. So I want to ask you what happened to you a few years ago that changed your way of thinking and subsequently your life? Well, three years ago... um, January 18th, to be exact, um, I got to date what has been the worst news of my life. Um, My mom and best friend was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. Mm -hmm. And it was in the oncologist speaking of that news that I felt like I was the one that was dying. And I I just remember feeling every single emotion all at once. I remember being so, so sad and so mad. And I remember my mom just holding me as tears just like flooded down my face. And I, the more, the more she wiped my tears, the angrier I got. And I just kept saying, you know, this is just not fair. This is not fair. And she, she paused and she asked me, how did you get here? <laughs> and at the time I was not in the mood like for her rhetoric or, right. and I just said, I don't know what you mean. And she said, sweetheart, to get to Powell, you have to walk through Blank's Children's Hospital. If you wanna talk to me about fair, You need to go and talk to their parents, right? Who have kiddos that won't probably see their first birthday. And that's just my mom, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That's just who she was and who she'll always be. Always trying to comfort me and always thinking about others, even in the midst of this awful news. Um, The cancer was not awesome at all. It... um, it was, like I said, it was stage four. It had spread um, her lung, her kidney, um, and she had a huge mass in her sacral. And the doctors were not convinced that she would ever leave the hospital. Hmm. And it was in that moment that I told her that all she needed to do was hope and be strong and be brave. And I would worry and I would figure out everything else for her. And I I promised her that she would get out of the hospital. And four months later, um, we spent a lot of time in the hospital trying to work on different um, uh, um, ideas for improvement. Uh, The mass had shattered her hips. 
and she wasn't able to walk. There was one brave doctor that agreed to do the surgery um, because no one else did. They were not convinced that it would be effective and worse, they thought they would sever nerves that would um, uh, make it so that she could never walk again. Hmm. And we were of the mindset that we'd rather take a chance because at this rate, she's not walking anywhere anyhow. Right. So this brave doctor um, did this surgery, um, not once, but twice. And kind of was able to restore her faith in the possibility or the hope of being able to walk out of there. Mm-hmm. So we, um, so four months later we left, she spent a good couple of months in a kind of rehab facility um, to get her to walk and um, get kind of back on her feet. And then, um, she got to go home and there were lots of really great days. The great days for sure outweighed the bad days. Yeah. Um, she got to see a lot of my kiddos baseball games. She got to spend good time with my siblings. Um, she got to spend time with friends. She kind of got to live, which was a miracle in of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, she worked super hard to be able to walk down the aisle at her grandson's wedding, which was in June of last year. (laughs) And I just remember her saying that, I just wanna be able to walk. I just wanna be able to walk on my own. No walker and I wanted to be there (laughs) in person for his special day. And she did it. She did it, that's awesome. yeah, it was, yeah, it was awesome. And, and I think kind of like you had said at the very beginning, you know, that people, um, you know, statistically, they, they make it to all like a hallmark day, if you will, like a, yeah. a, a holiday. Milestone. Yeah. yeah. And in, in true line with that, she did. Um, it wasn't shortly after that, that her health, took a big decline. Um, and I'm going to stop you right there because I'm going to come back to that after this break. But wow. everyone, remember also this is a live show. So if you would like help from Leah in finding out a root cause of what may be struggling, you're struggling with, you can call one 298 kknw or 425-373-5527. Taking care of your body's largest organ can be difficult, but not for a Stara skincare mist. This topical skin spray supports your skin's own natural healing defenses. Astera Skincare Mist is a light misting spray, free of parabens, alcohol, toxins, and fragrance. This all-natural topical skin spray will take the woe out of your skincare worries without clogging your pores. Irritation, inflammation, redness, post-procedure sensitivities, no problem. With Astera Skincare Mist, you can continue about your day without the skin dismay. Acne, rosacea, psoriasis, sunburns, rashes, and fungus? Don't let these skin concerns inconvenience you. Instead, let Astera Skincare Mist allow you to be happy in the skin you're in. Available at Sakura Skin and Mind. Learn more at asteracare.com. That's E-S-T-H-E-R-A care.com. Hypnotherapy helps you discover and explore deep, sustainable life changes. Let Sakura guide your communication with your unconscious mind. Rid yourself of negative behaviors, fears, pains, and emotions. Weight loss, smoking, childhood drama, chronic pain, and much more can be addressed. Begin healing now. Just $100 for the first session. Learn more. SakuraSkinAndMind.com S-A-K-U-R-A SkinAndMind.com Bring out the healthy way of thinking you didn't know you had. 
The veil is a line between physical and non-physical realities, between spirit and matter. Listen in to Go Beyond the Veil, an exciting new show every second Wednesday of each month from 2 to 3 p.m. In this engaging and informational jam-packed radio hour, hosts Sakura Sutter and Rory Reich interview folks who make a living crossing the veil, assisting others on their journeys of healing and self-discovery. Drawing from their own experiences, Sakura and Rory have come to realize how challenging it can be to understand it all. So they will ask the hard questions to not only reveal more truths and clarity, but in an effort to make spiritual sense. They hope by offering you, the listener, a resource where science meets spirituality that you too can finally put your skepticism to rest once and for all. So join them as they go Beyond the Veil. Don't let that herd mentality lead you off a cliff. We support thinking for yourself on Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook and to subscribe and share my YouTube channel and podcast, Love from the Hip. That's HYP, anywhere you can find podcasts. Today, I have the pleasure of having Leah Rowling on my show. Leah is a mindset coach and author. And if you would like advice from Leah on finding the root cause of an issue you are struggling with, then feel free to call 1-888-298-KKNW or 425-373-5527. So, Leah, I was hoping you can go right back into your story. So what happened after that with your mother? Yeah. So, I mean, after the wedding, um, good days were fewer and replaced quickly with bad and then awful and terrifying days. Um, An MRI revealed that... uh, she had more masses grow in her adrenals and her intestines, which caused her to bleed out, which Mm. necessitated the need for several blood transfusions weekly, um, sometimes three, uh, one week up to four. Um, And the transfusions were not as easy as one might think. Um, She had a special blood she had rare antibodies Mm -hmm. and so getting her to the hospital to do the transfusion and back um she was thinning and frail and it was just a lot of effort to get her there and i wasn't ready i i wasn't ready for her even though i felt like this was the end and i fought it and so i I loved and I prayed harder. And I I think at one point in time, I told my energy worker, Carrie, that I I was going to love this cancer out of her. Like I actually said the words out loud, Um, Mm. although I had been thinking them for some time, um, probably two years at that point. And I, um, I remember the next week come by and not having had a need for a transfusion. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, okay, you know, maybe, maybe my prayers are coming true. And maybe if I just love her more, right? Like, you won't need to have another one. And then another week, right? No transfusion. And then another week and another week, finally, uh, about a month and a half, right? She hadn't needed one. And so I, I called her oncologist and I was just convinced. I was convinced that without these needs for blood transfusions that maybe some healing had taken place. Right. And so my oncologist was not as optimistic as I was and um, the results didn't prove my optimism true. Um, and I asked the oncologist, I, I was like, how is it possible that we went for two months straight with blood transfusion after blood transfusion and now almost two months, she hasn't needed one. Right. And she was basically like, Leah, I don't know. Hmm. And so at the same time, um, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't work out. I, I, I really couldn't take care of my family. I was falling apart. I thought it was just kind of the accumulation of the past years mm-hmm. after mom's diagnosis. Um, I mean, I went from regular periods to menopause at 43. Um, I couldn't barely walk up a flight of steps without sitting halfway through. My friends, my family all told me that I was anemic. 
Mm-hmm. I talked to Carrie. Um, she said that I was probably in adrenal failure. Um, all of these things, you know, again, um, speak to what you started the show with, right? The, mm-hmm. the kind of the caretakers empathy and what they take on. And, but I decided, uh, at the advice of like my friends to go to the doctor and I went and sure enough, um, I was not only anemic, um, I was in desperate need of a blood transfusion myself. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I, I, to be honest, I didn't even put the two together. I, I really didn't. I just thought, you know, it was just stress. Right. And the next day, Carrie, it was planned that she was going to meet kind of with my mom. And before she met with her, I kind of walked her in and I just said, you know, Carrie, um, I did end up going to my doctor and I, um, turns out that not only am I anemic, I, I, my doctors want to get me in for a blood transfusion and without skipping a beat, she just said, it's not yours. Hmm. And I was just like, huh, well, that's interesting. And I just kind of like, well, I'm sure we'll talk more about it right after she gets done talking to my mom. And sure enough, she came out after she got done talking to my mom. And, you know, she came back to me and, you know, I was asking her like, you know, how's my mom and, you know, how is she doing? And, you know, she basically just say she just basically said, your mom didn't bring me there to talk with her. Mm. She wanted me to be there to refocus back on you. Mm. And so she refocused this whole notion of this blood not being mine. And in her way of bringing things about, she muscle tested me and I muscle tested that I was indeed transfusing my blood to my mom. Hmm. And if there was ever an aha moment, this was it. Like my eyes popped open and I'm like, of course I was giving mom my blood. That's why she hadn't needed a blood transfusion. It's why I did. Right. And it's, it's interesting because, you know, mom, my mom always taught me that thoughts become reality, right? Right. Thoughts become things. And, and I said early on in this journey that I would love her better. And, and for the time that I could, I did. Mm -hmm. And I knew, I knew what was needed and required. And it was kind of a lesson in both power and humility, because I, I was thinking that, wow, I, I was powerful enough, right? To do that. Yeah. To love my blood to somebody. Just mm-hmm. me. Like like who am I to to do that? Like you hear of, you know, the sages and and all of the people that have these extraordinary gifts and it it was just so profound that even in her death she proved to me that I was extraordinary. Mm-hmm. And And two, my mom was extraordinary Mm -hmm. because it wasn't just a miracle that I could love her my blood. It was a miracle that she could receive and give it back to me. Mm. And so she created the space to do that. And I did. Um, It was a Tuesday on literally, I felt better. And on Thursday, I went back in to see my doctor because we wanted to do more work um, to see if I needed a blood transfusion, even though I assured the doctor that I that I didn't. Yeah. Um, and they retook all of my blood and I was right at my normal level. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> it's just fascinating. And the doctor was like, uh, what, you know, yeah. what happened? I'm like. Um, <laughs> how do I explain this to you? I'm not yeah. quite sure how I explain <laughs> it to you, yeah. but, um, but yeah. And a week from Carrie's visit, um, 
my mom passed Mm. and but it even in her final week right days and hours you know she was so selfless loving and deserving of the peace she now finds in heaven so Mm. yeah wow that is such a moving story and thank you for sharing that you're welcome (laughs) there's so much power in that and you're our mindset coach so, I am. Yeah. I mean, what was the biggest shocker for you in all of this? I mean, this is something you've been teaching your clients, right? The right. power of thought. Uh, for sure. I just for me the biggest takeaway was we all think so small. Right? I mean, mm-hmm. I I think when we think about miracles and we think about things like this happening, we think this only happens to the elect, mm-hmm. right? Or, right? Or to the chosen ones, right? And I, what I believe now to be true is that we're all chosen ones. Mm-hmm. And, and we can't even think about the greatest thing that we can achieve. I, if someone would have ever told me, Leah, you're going to be able to keep your mom alive for two and a half years by your thoughts and be able to love her blood to extend her life. I would have told them they were nuts. Crazy. And I'm a mindset. Right? Right? Yeah. Exactly. Wow. Well, miracles happen. And you you have that story. Thank you. Thanks for that. Well, with that, we're going to take another break. But everyone stick around for this week's Weekly Skinny And remember, you can call in and ask Leah for help with an issue you are struggling to overcome. 1-888-298-KKNW or 425-373-5527. On this weekly skinny, I would like to talk about chocolate and your skin. Is chocolate really bad for your skin? Does it cause breakouts? Well, let's break it down. Cocoa contains flavanols, which have antioxidant and anti-inflammatory properties. That means protection from UV damage, which causes wrinkles, sunspots, and skin cancer. Also, epicatechin and resveratrol, two antioxidants in the cocoa bean, have benefits for the heart, blood vessels, brain, and nervous system, helping to slow down the aging process. It also has phenols, another antioxidant which helps fight cell damage that leads to chronic conditions such as cancer and heart disease and contains high levels of chromium, a substance which has been proven to help control blood sugar. There are actually more antioxidants in dark chocolate than in green tea or even red wine. In addition, dark chocolate reduces stress and increases the production of mood-enhancing neurotransmitters, again, another anti-aging benefit. So the more cocoa, the better, which is found at a higher percentage in dark chocolate. So choose dark chocolate over milk any day and look for non-Dutch chocolate since the process of Dutching significantly reduces the amount of flavanols. So how did chocolate get such a bad rap? Well, we know now that it isn't the cocoa, unless of course there is an allergy to cocoa or dairy itself. These two intolerances can bring about breakouts on the skin, typically on the forehead. Another significant reason for the breakouts is the sugar. In fact, studies done at the University of Newcastle in New South Wales, Australia, show that low glycemic diets reduced acne by lowering the levels of androgens, a hormone that stimulates the glands in the skin to produce oil. This explains why women have breakouts towards the end of their cycle because of an increase in this hormone. So if you are struggling with acne and breakouts, aside from maintaining a low glycemic diet, Try limiting your chocolate intake and ultimately go for the dark chocolate. And for women, I am not even going to begin to tell you to give up chocolate as it is also my favorite, but try to consume it at the beginning of your cycle versus the end. Alternative Talk, 1150 on AM, 98.9 HD3 on HD, 1150kknw.com on the web. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. Today, I have the pleasure of having Leah Rowling on my show. Leah is a mindset coach and author. So Leah, what process did you end up creating after the experience you had with your mother's passing? Well, I think, I think deep down, I knew that 
thoughts become true. Like, you know, you manifest what you think about. It's kind of the same as the saying, you know, you feel your feels. We're like, oh yeah, but, but how, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I, I've been coaching for, wow, like some 20 years and it wasn't honestly until I found coaching that I realized that my worthiness had nothing to do with what I achieved or what I didn't achieve. Um, my dad left when I was eight years old and I made his non-return mean that I was somehow unworthy, unlovable. Mm-hmm. And I mean, when you're eight, if your own dad can't love you, like who can kind right. of thing. And again, when I found coaching, I realized that I could minimize those feelings of people pleasing tendencies and frustration and resentment. And I could replace them with more empowering emotions like uh, gratitude and acceptance and compassion. And when I did that, I realized that I created much more empowering results for my life. Hmm. And then when I played that out, wow, when I really get to know who I am, right? Not who everybody wants me to be in my people-pleasing fashion. I really know and can create the future. Mm -hmm. I play that out even more. If I could master me, I could master my life. And with that, kind of the art of selfology was born. And that's the study of self. It's, It's the study of knowing who you are. And your thoughts became a big player in that because, again, I wouldn't have believed that I could think and feel my way to serving up blood for my mom. Um, and and it, it became really real for me. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So who would benefit from the art of selfology, this methodology, and, and how would you end up incorporating it into your life? Yeah, honestly, anyone. I mean, getting to know yourself is the most important work I I think you'll ever do. I mean, knowing your truth, knowing your heart. I mean, whether you're trying to lose like your last pounds, whether you're trying to better relationship with your body, getting your first time clients, changing your eating habits, stop stop yelling at your kids, I have your marriage. I mean, (laughs) Literally, there hasn't been one. I suppose this could be a challenge. There, there hasn't been a situation or a circumstance that I can't put in the model. Right. And so what does that model look like? Like, what are some of the steps? Absolutely. So the model is based on a framework around removing this misplaced hope right? And happiness and things outside of yourself. Mm -hmm. It is a framework around removing expectations that we have about the way our life should be Mm -hmm. and how the people in it should be. Um, It's removing those strong held convictions that our thoughts are true. Because when we replace that with intentional thinking, right? I call it the intentional model. When we replace the model with intentional thoughts, we trigger motivated emotions, right? The the fascinating thing about all of this is our thoughts create our emotions. All emotions are our vibrations or frequency in the body that's triggered by our thinking, mm-hmm. right? And if we think about emotions, right, how we're feeling, right? Everything that we do or not do is to feel or not feel a certain way. Right. So if we can get really intentional about what we think about, we can get intentional about how we feel about it and therefore be motivated to act. And then that creates the result in our life. So what we spend a lot of time doing in the model is differentiating between the situation, like 
what happened and what our thoughts are about what happened, right? So many times we think that what happened to us should affect us, right? Right. In, 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 in either a positive or a negative way. But that's not true at all, right? Mm-hmm. What's true about it is what we make whatever happened or didn't happen mean. And then it becomes our thoughts that trigger our emotions, that trigger our actions, that trigger our results in our life. Which is so much better. <laughs> so much, it's so much better being at the effect of our life right. than being affected by it, right. right? We can be in the driver's seat, right? We can take personal responsibility for what happens. And that helps also minimize our expectations and people because people aren't at all good at being who we want them to be, right? People right. are good at who they are. Right. <laughs> and, and so when we can release some of those expectations and some of the judgment, right? Thinking that people should be different, or people should be better somehow so that we can feel better about ourselves. just seems pretty silly when we talk about it out loud, but we do this, we do this in all of our relationships. And I would say that our expectations cause most, if not all of our struggle in the relationships that we have with people. Right. I would agree. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah, it's right? essentially also removing the victimhood. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. And it's making you partake in your life. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Okay. So what what are the four areas of self that you address and why? So the four areas that I address are physical, emotional, mental, connected, and personal. And these are just kind of the four areas that I feel like I have been able to kind of categorize all of the situations and circumstances that my clients face, right? Mm -hmm. So with physical, you know, people struggle with weight loss, people struggle with health, people struggle with sleep. For others, the connected area of self people struggle with, relationships, expectations of people, judgments, boundaries, purpose. Um, For yet others, it's personal, right? They struggle with abundance and scarcity and money and time. And then I have a lot of people that struggle with the emotional, mental side of things, like feeling their feelings, right? And and thinking about what we're thinking about. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so many people just are either numb or in a coma or just go through their days um, unconscious. Mm -hmm. Right. And so which of these would you find is the most challenging? (sighs) Again, I think it depends on what people are struggling with in their life. Um, I think if we all, if if we boil it all down, I think people struggle with feeling their feelings. I don't think people know how to do it. I have clients that say, oh yeah, I, I, I feel my feelings. And then I, I question them and I challenge them. I'm like, okay, where do you feel anger? Hmm. And they're like, what? Yeah. Like where, where in your body do you feel it? Is it hot? Is it cold? Does it? Is it just stay in one place or does it move? Does it have a color? Mm-hmm. Right? Right. And they're like, oh, maybe, <laughs> right? maybe I don't know. Maybe I don't. I'm not feeling my feelings. But the, but the beautiful thing about it is when we can get really good at feeling our feelings, like anxiety, right? If we can just feel it and lean into it instead of resisting it, right? Then we can have space for it and we can say, oh, yeah, this is. Uh, this is this is where anxiety this is where I feel it I feel it right here in my chest right and it's super heavy and sometimes it comes up into my throat okay yeah like you're sitting with a friend mm-hmm. yeah okay I feel you anxious what do you need what do you need from me and then when we start thinking that way right then our brain stops releasing cortisol and all of the things that remind you that you're supposed to be anxious mm-hmm. right right and then you just breathe into it. And then your brain's like, oh, she's got this. I can just move on and do something else. Right. So you're not recommending to disregard them, but to acknowledge them and move through them. Oh, lean into them, create space for them. Think of your emotions. All of them are welcome, Mm -hmm. right? 
all of them are welcome. I would even say fear is welcome, right? Let's embrace it. Let's, Let's think about where we feel fear and why we feel fear. Because in all honesty, fear is required. Fear is necessary. Fear keeps us safe. But but the brain doesn't distinguish or differentiate between physical danger and emotional danger, right? Right. right. It's the same part of the brain that thinks you're going to die physically that doesn't want you to be embarrassed or humiliated emotionally, mm-hmm. right? But fear is just a feeling. We don't need to resist it, right? right? I like to tell people that, you know, I wouldn't suggest that it sits in the passenger seat with you, but it certainly shouldn't drive, right? <laughs> right. What backseat let it come along for the ride right mm-hmm. you know pay attention to it be smart and be safe and then keep going right right yeah because fear generally keeps us stuck or it causes us to turn back exactly and it's not how we want to live our life i wouldn't think and you're the perfect example of a story in which your feelings that you weren't really addressing manifested into thought which meant then manifested into your true reality Yeah. Yeah. For sure. It's amazing. Well, with that, we're going to take another break, but everyone stick around for more Love from the Hip. Taking care of your body's largest organ can be difficult, but not for Astera Skincare Mist. This topical skin spray supports your skin's own natural healing defenses. Astera Skincare Mist is a light misting spray free of parabens, alcohol, toxins, and fragrance. This all-natural topical skin spray will take the woe out of your skincare worries without clogging your pores. Irritation, inflammation, redness, post-procedure sensitivities, no problem. With Astera Skincare Mist, you can continue about your day without the skin dismay. Acne, rosacea, psoriasis, sunburns, rashes, and fungus? Don't let these skin concerns inconvenience you. Instead, let Astera Skincare Mist allow you to be happy in the skin you're in. Available at Sakura Skin and Mind. Learn more at esteracare.com. That's E-S-T-H-E-R-A care.com. Men, care for your skin properly, starting with your face. Sakura Skin and Mind offers their Gentleman's Groom Clinical Facial for just $120. Designed for your rugged skin, a deep cleansing clinical facial is like a one-two-three punch to wrinkles, age spots, and problem skin. Tame those brows, ears, and nostrils. Sakura Skin and Mind, erasing wrinkles one clinical facial at a time. Learn more at sakuraskinandmind.com. S-A-K-U-R-A SkinAndMind.com A health crisis is one of the most challenging situations we will experience in our lifetime. It leaves us frightened, confused, and asking, why did this happen to me? Transformational coach Rory Reich experienced his healing crisis when the life he had so carefully constructed came crumbling down around him. The universe had offered him a challenge. He chose to accept it and to rediscover who he was before it was too late. In his book, Transform Yourself Through Disease, Rory shares his personal journey alongside eight practical steps to help those who are stuck realize their self-impairing beliefs and discover ways of transforming them so they can reclaim their health and create the life of their dreams. Don't let your health crisis define you. Take the next step and transform yourself today. For a free life coaching consultation, contact Rory at RoryReich.com. That's R-O-R-Y R-E-I-C-H dot com. Alternative Talk 1150, the talk of the sound. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And don't forget, this show airs right here on KKNW every Wednesday from 2 to 3 p.m. Today, I have the pleasure of having Leah Rowling on my show. Leah is a mindset coach and author. So, Leah, I want to ask you, how can you apply your self-coaching process to these trying times we are having right now? Well, I mean, as I had mentioned, the model really gives us a nice framework, you know, for, you know, things like the coronavirus, right? Because in the model, like the coronavirus is the situation, right? Mm -hmm. And people have all sorts of thoughts about it. And I promise you that whatever they're thinking about uh, is in their R line. It's, it's, in their results because your results are always proof of your original thought. Hmm. And, and so if we can separate out, yes, 
this is this is corona and yes this is unknown times but i promise you that we've all been in unknown times before right, right? and so we might think thoughts like this is terrible this is terrifying and then what we do is we look for proof that our thought is true and so we listen to news we listen to media we read everything that we can right to prove that that original thought is true right and then and then we validate our story and we talk with girlfriends and and we, we validate post it on social media yep, we post <laughs> on social media and we do this like fear mongering and and for sure like we've got file cases and file cabinets of evidence <laughs> that this this is awful this mm-hmm. is horrible right and then when we have thoughts like that right it triggers an emotion of being scared terrified right and when we're scared and terrified how do we show up in our life right right we we show up we show up in our ego self right we we show up fearful we show up kind of being um we we point fingers we place blame we we and then and then the results are proof that this is terrible right 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 because <laughs> right? right. this is terrible and so the interesting thing is that fear is just an emotion it's it's a protective mechanism to keep you safe but sometimes we fear feeling fear which mm-hmm. compounds the fear right and if we are afraid of feeling fear then we are feeling fear in advance which is just not useful right um i have a lot of people that are afraid of this corona and but they don't have anybody that has it they they don't have anything to relate it to and they're just scared of being scared that they might get it mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and and so i just i feel like fear prevents us from living our most authentic and empowering selves and much of fear is created by thought alone, right? right. And nothing has gone wrong. And so what would you so, recommend we do then? Well, I would recommend us think about it differently. I mean, for sure. I mean, if you want to listen to the news and 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 validate your story with your friends and, you know, social media, then fine. But I challenge you to 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 give 50% airtime to something different. Mm-hmm. Right? Look at something different be a be an investigator be a detective and be like okay i'm going to try to prove my thought wrong mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so then maybe explore like really how many people have died right right how many people have actually died right. from corona right how many people are actually hospitalized right and just be curious about it all right should we also be curious about what it maybe is triggering like you were saying triggering the fear why is it triggering the fear for us personally, right? Self-exploration in that way. Why is this, why, what am I making this mean? Mm-hmm. Is, is there something from, you know, my childhood? And a lot of the areas of self that we work through is by asking ourselves questions, you know, like in our physical self, what bad habits do I need to release? Am I willing to be disappointed? When was the first time I was disappointed, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. As it relates to emotional and mental, like what, what would heal my mind? Or I'd love to ask this question, what do I really need mm-hmm. right now? Mm-hmm. And I asked this to a client not too long ago and I asked, what do you really need? And without even a second, I need to quit my job. Oh, wow. I'm like, well, <laughs> what do you make that mean, right? Right, right, right. Like, what, like, what do you need, you know, yeah. with your connected self? Like, am I open to letting my struggles be an opportunity for spiritual awakening? Okay. Or but, who what inspires my intuition? But still, right? like, so touching on the connected self, I mean, why yeah. do you think it's still so hard for people to focus on themselves right now, even without, you know, we ha- with less distraction? As far as in the beginning of all of this. Absolutely. Well, I think one, we live in a society where focusing on self and self-care is selfish. 
Mm. Right. But I might add, I think not focusing on self is selfish because when you don't take the time to care for yourself, you expect others to do it for you. Right. Exactly. Right. When you're looking to some, for somebody else to fill your needs and, and your desires, right. Then then you're placing an unrealistic expectation on them because not only is it not necessary, it's not possible, right? Mm -hmm. Because, because your thoughts create your emotion. They can't create it for you. Like a lot of times we like to think that we source our kids happiness or we source our husband's happiness, but that's not even possible. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, I'm glad you shared that. Well, I was hoping you could tell us really quick about the book you just you just appeared in. Yeah. So um, it was a book about miracles. Um, Wake up miracles. The title is Miracles of Healing from Around the World. Um, it's a collection of perspectives from a variety of chiropractors, alternative medicine practitioners, therapists, as it relates to miracles. And like I said earlier, Some people think that it takes miraculous people to witness or perform miracles, but my story, you know, proves otherwise. All it takes is love. Mm. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Well, I was hoping you could share how my listeners can learn more about you and possibly even book a a mindset coaching session. (laughs) I would love that. So, yeah, they can follow me on Facebook um, or Instagram. Um, It's Leah Rowling. Um, that's my handle. Um, or they can check out my website at leahrolling.com. And I have 20 minute, uh, sessions that people can, uh, reserve. Um, and we just can talk about whether or not a mindset coaches, um, something that would be important for their life or, or necessary, or if we're a good fit or whatnot, but I would, I would, uh, I would welcome uh, the opportunity to get to talk with any and all of you. Oh, wonderful. Well, thanks again for being here today. And thank you for sharing such a powerful story and being vulnerable. Thanks for inviting me and thanks for allowing me to share my story. Absolutely. And thank you to Eric, my talented producer, and you, the listener. You can find me at sakurasetter.com. Really love the show. Don't be shy. Drop me a line at sakuratlovefromthehip.com. Tune in next Wednesday for another Love from the Hip. And don't forget to make self-love contagious. Go ahead. I dare you.